Hello, and welcome back to another news and predictions episode of The Final Third. My name is Jack C. Prasad. I'm a fan of Chelsea, Minnesota United, Atalanta, and the French and U.S. national teams. And unlike usual, I am not joined today with my usual co-host, AJ. In fact, I'm not joined with a co-host at all today. I'm just doing I'm just doing a quick news and predictions episode for the holidays so you you all can get back to celebrating your families with your families or maybe you just need a break for about 30 minutes to just listen to some news about soccer, hear some predictions about the games. AJ is out on vacation. He I believe will be popping in for the predictions section. But yeah, we're just here or I'm just here to give you a quick holiday episode of the final third as always you can find us on twitter at final third show post content on there all the time post our predictions about things post what we hope happens in games reactions all that kind of stuff so make sure to check us out there you can also now rate us on spotify if you feel like we've been doing a good job and you know i i tend to think we have in the almost one full year that we've been doing this. We've definitely improved quite a bit. Give us a rating on Spotify so more people can find our podcast. And of course, give us a rating on whatever other podcast platform you listen to us on. We appreciate all of the love and support you've given us. So with that out of the way, let's get on to our normal news and predictions episode. Usually, AJ and I would have a discussion about a couple of newsworthy items, but I thought I'd just give you some quick takes about you know some of the big news of the week and if you're listening to my voice and wondering you know he doesn't sound quite like himself that's because I was suffering from a little bit of probably the flu the past week or so so I am mostly back to normal trying to get through all this news so I'm going to call this section right here news reels instead of the newsroom we're going to talk about some quicker takes on big news from this week. So without that out of the way, let's get right into it. Starting off with the EFL Cup semifinals. We talked about the quarterfinals happening this week, but now the semifinals are all set. We've got two pretty exciting matchups because we've got Liverpool versus Arsenal on one side of the bracket. Liverpool, of course, uh, beating Leicester in a thrilling 3-3 game that ended in a penalty shootout, and Arsenal crushing Sunderland, League One Sunderland, 5-1. That should be an interesting matchup. And then we've got a London derby in Chelsea versus Tottenham. Chelsea beating Brentford 2-0, and Tottenham, I can't quite remember who they beat, but they beat them nonetheless. And they are in the semifinals as well. These are two-legged semifinals taking place on January 5th and 12th. These are going to be exciting ones. So who's getting to the final from each of these? And what I'm going to say on that is I think that it's probably going to be Liverpool versus Chelsea. I, I think Arsenal have done a great job getting places, getting to a lot better position they're in than they were, than I think most people thought they would have been in at this point in the league especially after that horrendous start in the in of this season. But they're here, but Liverpool are just so good lately, and I just don't think Arsenal will be able to beat them, unfortunately for them. Uh, Liverpool are a solid team, so I think that it's very possible 
that they will go on and get the win. Arsenal could make an upset, but I'm going to go for Liverpool on that side. On the other side, Chelsea versus Tottenham. You know I'm a Chelsea fan, so I am going to say Chelsea make it through, and I don't think that's entirely unfounded. Yes, Tottenham had a pretty impressive result earlier uh, today as I'm recording this on Sunday. 3-0 win over Crystal Palace after actually the exact reverse result of what happened uh, earlier in the season. So Conte has definitely helped them turn around. But Chelsea are hitting some good form, hitting a 3-1 victory over Aston Villa earlier today. Lukaku's back, and Chelsea look decent again. So I think that Chelsea should make it through that one. Um, all right. So on to the next part of this, uh, we talked last week about COVID outbreaks hitting the Premier League really hard, and we talked about the potential of them canceling or postponing games during this festive period of six days where players play like three games during that period. Well, they met and they did not postpone all of the games at once. Instead, they still postponed about half of them, but they're not canceling or postponing whole rounds, and uh, I can see why they're doing it. You know, I think that I think it's more about trying to make sure that stuff still happens during this time period because, you know, the Premier League knows they can make a lot of money from this. They know they can make money by being the only league that broadcasts any soccer during this time period. And if they can corner that market, then they're going to make a lot of money. And so obviously they want some soccer to continue if they can get it. They don't want to just push things off entirely if they can avoid it. However, you look through the leagues themselves and how many games got canceled. You know, three of the nine Premier League games that were supposed to be played today still got canceled. Uh, so it's not like it was completely dealt with or anything. And Looking into lower leagues as well, there were 32 EFL games across Championship, League One, and League Two that were supposed to be taking place today. However, only nine of those games, just over 25%, could be played today. That speaks to a massive issue in the soccer community, especially in England. And yes, a lot of the players are in the process of getting vaccinated, but it just shows you what happens when the league with the lowest vaccination rate among its players, what happens when, you know, they, they just, they, they just don't do enough. And I, I'm really starting to think that they might have to start moving towards decreasing the amount of fans in stadiums because the, the COVID situation isn't getting a lot better right now. In fact, it's getting a lot worse. You know, Omicron cases are spiking, not just in the U S but in the UK, of course, as well, which is leading all of these increased COVID cases. So I really think that the Premier League needs to do better on this. Otherwise, they're going to see a lot worse issues down the line. And the question is, like, with with them not postponing rounds, is this just a bad decision by the FA? And I talked about that a little bit and why they would be doing it. Our uh, common theme on our podcast from the very start uh, has been player welfare versus you know, the actual game itself. And usually AJ and I end up li landing on the side of player welfare because we think that, you know, the players, 
they're humans. They might be big stars who are on big, big money contracts, but they're still people and they deserve to have to have safe working conditions. And the question becomes, is the working conditions, i.e. playing soccer, safe for player health when you have tons of players getting COVID, tons of clubs having massive outbreaks? How safe is it for those players to actually go out and play? And it's starting to cross into that threshold where it's reaching unsafe working conditions. So I think that the Premier League really needs to address this issue sooner rather than later. And not just the Premier League at this point. We see it happening all across England in every single league. So it's got to be a coordinated approach by the EFL, the FA, and the Premier League if they want any resolution to this issue. Otherwise, these cases are just going to get worse. And we might have to go into another case like 2020, March 2020, where there was absolutely nothing going on. So I, I really think they have to come to some sort of solution sooner rather than later. Now, moving away from the Premier League and over into MLS for a second, because, you know, you, you know, AJ and I are both Minnesota United fans. So we wanted to talk about Minnesota United a little bit because they have two slash three, maybe two and a half player decisions, player transfers that we wanted to talk about and bring back for just a second this segment that we like to call transfer hot or not, where we rate transfers to see how hot they are. Like, are they are they are they looking like good acquisitions and for who? So let's start with the first one. Uh, Ethan Finlay, right winger from uh, from Minnesota, one of the only players left playing in the from the first season that Minnesota United had in MLS. Well, actually, the only Minnesotan left on Minnesota's roster. So Ethan Finlay has been uh, he was a free agent and he is going to Austin FC in their second year after finishing bottom of the MLS Western Conference. Austin are looking for some reinforcements. They really need to build up especially in attack. They had a pretty decent defense at times. It could be a little messy at times, but they really needed someone to score goals for them. And Ethan Finlay, you know, he always gives 110%. I, I say it as a Minnesota United fan. He was one of my favorite players when I first started getting into Minnesota United in mid-2019. He was my favorite player because I could just tell. He was willing to run and he always chased down games. He... It, it didn't matter if Minnesota United were like 3-0 behind. He was going to be chasing that ball and chasing that game as much as he could. He brought exceptional work rate uh, to the pitch every time he was on, whether he was a substitute, whether he was starting, whether he played 60 minutes, 90, 30, didn't matter. He gave it his all every single time. And, you know, I, I'll always remember that Minnesota United, they, they had some bad results this past year. And after each one of those embarrassing results, not many players were willing to come out for press uh, for press availability. The only one who consistently came out for that was Ethan Finlay. It shows how much he cared about the club and showing the fans that he he felt personally responsible and took accountability for some of those results. You know, like it it's good to see that kind of player. And it's good to have that kind of player on a roster, you know, someone who you know is going to play not just 
on the pitch, but is going to play and be a player for your club on and off the pitch. It's really a fantastic uh, acquisition for Austin. It's it's a hot transfer for Austin. I'm I'm very sad for Minnesota United because you know I'm I'm gonna miss him uh, in Minnesota United colors, but he is such a good player, and Austin FC have picked up such a good versatile player who is always going to be willing to do the work to be one of the best players on the field if uh if possible has his goal output dried up a little bit potentially but you know may, maybe he just needs a move to a different team to really unlock his potential once again next we have from Minnesota United another free agent and this one hurts quite a bit we've got Ozzy Alonso legendary MLS number six is going to Atlanta United the 36 year old veteran is he, he's headed he's headed to a different place you know I I I have absolutely loved this guy from Minnesota he was always great in the middle of the park and for the last third or maybe two-thirds of this past season it almost looked like we had the old Ozzy Alonso you know the one that we saw at Seattle for the all those years in our club. And, you know, it, it, he's definitely going to be a missed presence. He was a great leader for the club as well, which is going to be sorely missed, I'm sure. Um, I know this also disappoints some Seattle fans as well, because a lot a lot of people are looking at this move and thinking this might be his last club move and his last time playing professionally. And if so, a lot of Seattle fans were thinking that he might finish out his tenure in MLS with them, but that might not be the case. Uh, you know, a good friend of the podcast, Reed, he's an Atlanta fan. I'm sure he's pretty excited about this transfer because Ozzy Alonso, whether he's 16, 36, it doesn't much matter. He's going to be the same destroyer type of player who is going to win the ball in the midfield. He's going to run with it and he's going to distribute it pretty cleanly. He is a solid player, and this is a really good transfer for Atlanta United. Uh, I, I hope he gets some significant playing time because he's always a joy to watch, uh, as long as it's not against Minnesota, because I do not want to have to play against him all too much. But I, I'm going to say that's a pretty hot transfer for Atlanta as well. And finally, we have the 2.5, the 0.5 of the 2.5 transfers. We've got young Gregor, who had his contract declined at the end of this past season. He is headed out to San Jose after being chosen by them in the re-entry draft. You know, they've got a week to make a genuine offer to, uh, to sign him. And if he accepts, that's going to be good news for San Jose because a lot of what they were missing was that creativity from deep. They had it somewhat on the wings, but they really needed that player who can really create things you know Jackson Ewell is fine he's not like a fantastic player Jan Gregush knows how how to get things done you know I'll always remember that 2019 season where he was absolutely incredible on set piece deliveries and he was he he, he was just like a perfect player really for uh for Minnesota in that season and in fact one of my favorite Minnesota United players in general I I thought he was always pretty good at progressing the ball. Uh, there were a few times where he would play sideways, play back, but you know, that set piece ability was lethal from him. 
And I think this is a really good thing for San Jose. Really disappointing for Minnesota because they've gotten rid of a lot of midfield depth. You know, center midfield was a place where we had a lot of depth in 2020, even most of 2021. But that's looking a lot drier now. And it's given me a little bit of worries as a Minnesota United fan. So hopefully they'll bring in some players other than a fourth goalkeeper, I believe, to uh, uh, who's never going to play realistically. So we'll, we'll, we'll see about all of that. Um, and one other interesting transfer that I just wanted to bring up because I was kind of hoping Minnesota United would act and get him. Robert Barich, who played for the Chicago Fire for two seasons, scored, I think, like over 20 goals in those two seasons for them. He is going to SKC, Sporting Kansas City, who already have a stacked front line. That's a really good acquisition for them. I, I, I'm really worried that for like the seven times we're inevitably going to play Sporting Kansas City, Minnesota United just always seem to play them more than whatever's originally listed on the schedule. So that's going to be an interesting player to play against. He's very good. I rate him very highly. Really wish Minnesota United would have maybe acted on that one, but Minnesota United and uh, acting on things that are good ideas tend not to mix all that well. So those are those transfers from Minnesota United, plus another interesting one in there. But let's move on to a much sadder story that needs to be talked about, though. And that is moving back over to England. The Coventry United ladies team have gone bankrupt and are financially liquidated after just half a season playing as a professional club. The team literally just went professional this past season after their majority stakeholders chose to do that. And the players, uh, you know, I, I was reading some of the tweets and some of the messages that the players were sending afterwards. They had no idea how bad the situation was financially at the club. And, you know, when they were supposed to train on one day, they just got called in right literally two days before Christmas as well. Like, that's pretty harsh. Uh, and they just get told, yeah, the team's gone. The team's gone. You don't have a job anymore. You're not getting paid for this past month either. Uh, that's it. And that that's that's just awful. Like, you know, it, it's it. We we've seen a bunch of backlash about clubs going bankrupt in the men's game all the time. You know, uh, Accrington football club, that, that was a big one that, that I know went under, uh, there's been tons of efforts to save so many other clubs, Bury, uh, AFC. That was, that was a big one as well, but there's not been as much of that for this club, which is honestly kind of worrying because, you know, the, the women's game in the UK has been advancing really well lately. You know, they, they, they've put together a solid league structure, but it just shows how financially unstable it is over there as well. Uh, you know, it, it's financially unstable all over. And, you know, the, the English FA has to do a lot more to support these clubs, especially if they want more professional clubs that are going to pop up. Because, you know, this kind of acts as a warning signal to any other clubs who are potentially thinking about going professional. They don't want to end up like this. They don't want to have to quit out of a league after half of a season. And it's it's really not great. Uh, and 
it may it makes you wonder could this have been better communicated and i think that it definitely could have been you know i i feel like there must have been so much going wrong in the financial department of that club uh for them to not be able to really communicate this and if the club was struggling like this badly that they got liquidated all of a sudden this definitely wasn't an issue that just popped up so this this kind of stuff has to be communicated to the players so they know about this kind of stuff so they don't have to worry about if they wake up and if they'll have a career the next day you know that that's not okay you you've got you've got to do better to protect the jobs the contracts of these players uh, especially if you're trying to develop uh the the league and the game like England are trying to do with the FA Women's Super Leagues uh you know if if you don't have that stability then they that then it makes you wonder if how how this league structure can really sustain itself and you know i i'm interested to see how they're going to handle this you know what are they going to do about the schedules what are they going to do about the points already you know uh are the clubs that beat them are, are those points going to be taken away and their goal differentials amended all that kind of stuff so will be like they never even played in the league that season or is it going to be like just everyone gets an extra bye week or something like that? It will be interesting. And because there will always be one team that's not going to be playing because there's an odd number of teams now. There's only 11 teams, not 12 anymore in the uh, uh, FA Women's Championship. So I'm going to be interested to see how they do this. But come on, this could have been communicated so much better. If you knew that the financial situation of the club was this bad, you definitely could have fixed this. And finally, some happier news, especially for U.S. fans. Uh, up-and-coming USMNT striker Ricardo Pepe, you know, he just scored uh, some goals in, uh, in his debut for uh, the U.S. men's national team on World Cup qualifying duty. He's been a pretty good player for Dallas this season, and he is no longer an FC Dallas player, he is moving across the pond to a league that has taken in a lot of promising young American players in the past over to the Bundesliga and going to VFL Wolfsburg. He is going to be joining up with John Brooks, the U.S. men's national team center back. And, uh, you know, it'll, it'll be interesting to see if he's able to break into this lineup, if he's going to get some playing time. You know, Wolfsburg needs some help. They've been on a skid of form. It, it has not been good for them. So they've got to get some reinforcements to help them stabilize this ship. And uh, I'm going to be interested to see how he does there because, you know, the U.S., they have a lot of great uh, depth in other positions. Not at striker. We need to find a good striker before 2022. And if Ricardo Pepe is able to get some playing time over in Germany, that's really solid and is going to really help his case for getting on the plane to Qatar should we make it there. So that's some good news to end off the news reel section on. And with that, I'm going to move over to the next part of this, which is our prediction game. As you know, every week we have a prediction game where we predict five games that are exciting or just have some significance, and we try and see, we compete, AJ and I compete, against the listeners, you all out there, who, uh, have some, who have a say in these things, we, you get to vote on our Twitter, at Final Third Show, 
There are polls up there every week that we put out. You get to choose, you know, who you think wins. And the scoring system is very simple. If you get the correct result, uh, you get 10 points. You get the exact scoreline correct, you get 20 points. And if you get none of it correct, you get zero points. So let's get right into it. All right, so let's start off with the very first game in this, which is Sevilla versus Barcelona in La Liga. You know, this game had the potential to be a real decider in the La Liga title race, and these two teams settled for a draw. Uh, it was uh, the two scores of this were one of my favorite players, Alejandro Gomez for Sevilla, and then for Barcelona, they equalized right before halftime. Uh, or sorry, right after halftime, I misread it again. It, it was right before halftime. Ronald Araujo scored there, assisted by Usman Dembele. Make it 1-1. Sevilla do get a red card, a straight red card for Jules Koundé in the 64th minute, but they do hold on to get that 1-1 draw. Kind of feels like a loss for Barcelona, honestly, because they really needed this win to make it even further up the table they sit in seventh. Sevilla sit in second. They're gonna. Chavi is going to need to put a lot of work in to get this right. So the scores for this, I guess, two to one for Sevilla. Maybe without that red card, that would have happened. But I'll get zero points. AJ got it right on the money. One to one. Twenty points for him. And since we didn't put out a poll for the listeners, we decided, uh, as we do when we forget that, you get the maximum amount of points that someone got on that one. So listeners get twenty on that one as well. Next, we've got Tottenham Hotspur versus West Ham United in the EFL Cup quarterfinals. That's who that's who Tottenham beat in order to make it on through there. Uh, this was a pretty good game, except all the goals were scored in the first half, and all three goals were scored within five minutes of each other. So, bit of a goal fest for those five minutes. Pretty boring game otherwise, but... Steven Bergevin got it started off in the 29th minute to take the lead for Tottenham, but Jared Bowen pulled it back in the 32nd minute, only for Lucas Mora to score two minutes later, and overall, not the best performance by, by West Ham this, uh, but, you know, that's what happens when you're missing pretty much your entire defense, so Tottenham are out of the cup, Tod Tottenham are not out of the cup, West Ham are out of the cup and Tottenham are moving on. I saw this coming, unfortunately for AJ, you know, our resident West Ham fan. I said 1-0 to zero in favor of Tottenham. I'll take 10 points for that. AJ guessed 1-1 one to one with West Ham winning on penalties. That didn't end up happening. And the listeners said, well, they didn't, you didn't, you all didn't get to vote, so you get 10 points for that one as well. Next, we have my team, Aston Villa versus Chelsea. I was kind of worried in this game it was uh, it ended at one to three for Chelsea, but it didn't always look like that. Aston Villa were looking dangerous on the counter quite a few times, and they actually struck first through a Reese James own goal in the 28th minute. But their lead did not last long as Jorginho gets a penalty. Callum Hudson-Odoi gets fouled in the box and Jorginho coolly converts that penalty. Then we've got Lukaku who comes on at halftime and... He makes his presence felt because he scores in the 56th minute. He is definitely back. 
and it looked like he might have gotten a second. Same kind of run he did against Aston Villa at the beginning of the season. He runs in behind, he gets behind the defense, gets taken down, and Jorginho converts another penalty. Jorginho this season is just on another level because he already has six goals this season. He had seven goals last season. Less than half of the games, he's looking like a pretty he he's looking pretty cool from that penalty spot. If Chelsea keep getting penalties, he's gonna keep putting them away. He could be Chelsea's top scorer for the second season in a row. I guessed one to zero for Chelsea. I'll take ten points. AJ said a one to one draw. If it wasn't for Lukaku, it could have been. Uh and the listeners, you know, get ten points for that. So good for you all. And our final game which is odd, but our last game really was Liverpool versus Leeds, but that got postponed. So our last game was Manchester City versus Leicester City, which was by far one of the games of the season, I'd have to say. Uh, I mean, it, it was just a really fantastic game. It ended 6-3 to three in favor of Manchester City. Man City scored four goals in the first 25 minutes. Kevin De Bruyne first, Riyad Mahrez, Ilkay Gundogan and Raheem Sterling all converting their their uh uh their goals away and halftime comes in and Leicester respond with three goals of their own in 10 minutes. James Madison makes it 4 to 1, Adamola Lookman makes it 4 to 2, and Kalichi Iheanacho makes it 4 to 3. It's looking like it could be a comeback from the depths from Leicester. But no, Amrick Laporte scores in the 69th minute. And Raheem Sterling scores in the 87th minute to ice this game. The Foxes got a little bit unlucky and started their surge a little bit too late. 6-3. to three. What a game, really. Uh, I guess 3-0 to zero for Manchester City. Couldn't have been further th- from the truth, but I'm happy with that. Uh, I'll take 10 points for that. And AJ guessed 2-0 to zero for Man City. He'll take 10 points as well. And listeners will give you 10 points as well, which means... The listeners end up with 50 points, which is kind of exactly what they needed to get back into things after having a little bit of a rough amount of form. And then I have for this week 30 points and AJ coincidentally also has 30 points. So I didn't make up any ground, didn't lose any ground. We didn't lose a ton of ground against you all as well. And we're actually going into our last round of predictions for this season before we crown a winner of this one to see who is going to be crowned the best predictor of games, I guess, uh, for this season. So let's get started with next week's predictions. First of all, we have Watford versus West Ham. Wanted to include one of AJ's teams in here since there's not a ton of great Premier League games that are coming up, if I'm being completely honest. Uh had to dig in a little bit to find some uh, good ones in there. So let's start off with that one in the Premier League. Watford versus West Ham. West Ham are not on great form. They haven't won uh, in their last five games. Their last win was against Chelsea, a 3-2 win against Chelsea. But since then, they just haven't really hit the right notes. They were They were all right in their performance against Southampton today. So while they were good in that performance against Southampton, they haven't really been hitting the same notes that they were at the beginning of the season. Their offense is good, but their defense is just kind of soggy. And with that, you know, they are playing against Watford, to be fair, though. Watford are in the 17th. 
And they did have that win against Manchester United, but they have not played since December 10th. They have been out of action for two weeks. And I think that could really hurt them. You know, two weeks is a good rest, but it could also be enough to accumulate some rust as well. I am going to go for. I'm going to say a 1-1 draw for West Ham just because I think that uh, AJ is going to predict a West Ham win. So I'll say a 1-1 draw between these two. You know, I I think Watford are a pretty good team. So I think 1-1 is probably a pretty likely outcome in this one. Next, moving on, we have Valencia v Espanyol in La Liga. You know, one of the last La Liga matches of the of the year before, you know, we get we go into the new year. So Valencia versus Espanyol, both of them are pretty close in there. They are 8th and 11th. Valencia could really use this because it could boost them into the top uh into the top 4 actually. So if they win this, that's pretty good. And Espanyol, if they get a win here, that boosts them into the top 10. So both sides are really going to be looking at this one. Uh, I think that it's going to be a really interesting game because Espanyol have been really a lot better than I was expecting this season. Uh, but Valencia have also been a lot better than I was expecting this season as well. They, they've really picked up uh, because I thought they were headed for kind of doom after seeing their, their last season. but. They were on very, very, very good form. They haven't lost since October 27th, which is really good from them. Espanol, on the other hand, have had quite a few losses here and there. They've got some wins in there too, but you know there, there's quite a spattering of losses in there. I'm going to go for Valencia to win this one. I'm going to say they win it 2-1 to one as well. Nice, easy, solid scoreline. I think that Valencia kind of deserve to be back in the top four. They are a strong team. I'd like to see them in the Champions League again. Next, let's move on to a New Year's game. Arsenal versus Manchester City. The first Premier League game of the new year of 2022 is going to be between Arsenal versus Man City at Arsenal. Both of these teams are missing quite a few players. Uh, so it'll be interesting to see what happens between these two sides. That being said, Arsenal, yes, they've improved a lot recently. They're actually in fourth place overall. But this is Manchester City we're talking about. Manchester City have been unstoppable, really. You know, their offense has been near perfect. In their past three games, they've scored 17 goals. That's uh, that's averaging about six goals per game. That's pretty incredible. So I, I think that they are definitely going to look pretty strong in this. Uh, do I think they'll score six goals past Arsenal? Probably not, even though they scored five past them the last time. Arsenal have gotten a lot better since then. I'm going to say that they win it still three to one, though. Uh, I, I could see, you know, Arsenal making a goal out of something, probably a Saka or... You know, may, maybe uh, maybe uh, an, an, an Emil Smith-Rowe goal in there. I, I have a feeling Arsenal can cause some problems because Arsenal, very good form. They have not lost since December 6th against Everton, but are on a th four-game winning streak in the Premier League. That being said, three of those four wins did come against some bottom feeders in Southampton, Leeds, and Norwich. So 
I don't know. I, I just back Manchester City in this one. So three to one in favor of Man City. Next, we've got my team here, and I think this is going to be a really exciting game next Sunday, a week from when I'm recording this. Chelsea versus Liverpool. Now, this is going to be huge for the title race. You know, right now, these teams are on the same amount of points. And, you know, they, this could really change how, how, thing, how things go for Chelsea. Chelsea were on some bad form for a little bit, couldn't quite convert chances. They have a chance to make a bit of a comeback. Meanwhile, Liverpool are on some kind of meh form, I, I'd say. You know, winning against Aston Villa by only a goal, drawing against Tottenham, drawing against Leicester in the Carabao Cup. I think that Chelsea could win this one. It's at Stamford Bridge, so I think that can definitely help them. And, you know, it doesn't matter if I, if I, even if I thought Liverpool would win, I'd still back Chelsea in this. So I am going to say Chelsea win this probably two to one. We're going to say two to one. I, I, I don't back our defense at this point in the time to keep a clean sheet. Uh, if, if this was two months ago, yes, I definitely would and say like one to zero, but no, I'm going to say two to one, uh, especially if we can start Lukaku, that would be fantastic. And he really changes how we play. So I am hoping that Chelsea can get that win and help take us back into the upper echelon of the title race. And finally, we've got a bit of a strange one because we don't normally predict these games in here, but I, I thought I, I was looking through all of the other games. Not many of them really seemed that exciting. And, you know, AJ and I both have a bit of an interest in this team because it does have a U.S. player on it. So we went to the EFL Championship. It's also going to be streamed on ESPN Plus, so it's going to be a bit of an interesting game to watch. Nottingham Forest versus Huddersfield Town. These two teams are surprisingly up towards the top of the table. Nottingham Forest were looking in like relegation candidates earlier in the season, but they've been on a bounce of form. Nottingham Forest are in ninth and Huddersfield are in sixth. If Nottingham Forest could take a win here, it could take them above Huddersfield Town and into the promotion playoff places. So they've got a lot to uh to gain from this one i think that it's going to be a really exciting game to watch i'm definitely going to be watching this one nottingham forest have three wins one draw and one loss in their last five meanwhile huddersfield town have two wins two draws and one loss although you know uh nottingham forest loss came more recently their past game against middlesbrough ended in defeat for them and huddersfield town is coming off two back-to-back three to two wins I think Huddersfield are a really good team, but I also really like Nottingham Forest. Uh, I think it's going to be a really in, uh, a really tough game to predict. It's going to be a tight one. It might be a, that kind of case where neither of these teams really want to lose. I'm going to say a 2-2 draw for this one. I, I could see it happening. You know, neither of these teams have the most solid defenses ever. You know, they've shipped 29 goals for Huddersfield, 27 for Nottingham Forest. They score quite a bit as well, 31 for Huddersfield and uh, and 32 for Nottingham Forest. So I, I think that this could end in a very thrilling 2-2 draw between the two championship teams. 
So those are the predictions. I, I'm not sure if AJ is going to add in some stuff over from his vacation spot uh, later when he's editing this, but if he has, then those were our predictions. If not, those are just my predictions for, for this week. Actually, Jack, let me step in right here and give my predictions. Hello, I just got back from my vacation. I'm all healthy. I'm all happy. So really glad that Jack's able to fill in for me while I was gone on a much needed uh, trip. So, yeah, I'm here to just give my quick predictions on these games that Jack just predicted. For Watford versus West Ham, got to back my boys. I'm going 2-1 to one for West Ham. Valencia and Espanol. Uh, I agree with Jack. I'm, I'm backing Valencia to do well, but I'm going to, for a more conservative 1-0 to zero win against an Espanyol team that I think is pretty good in La Liga. Uh, Arsenal versus Man City. I mean, he covered it perfectly. It's Man City. Arsenal are good. I've backed Arsenal pretty well. Smith Rowe is a great player. However, Man City or Man City. I'm going for a 2-0 to zero win, so a clean sheet for Man City as well as the three points. Chelsea versus Liverpool. Uh, he, he, I, I always think that he overestimates what Chelsea can do and underestimates what Liverpool can do. I think that Liverpool, even if they haven't gotten the best of results, neither have Chelsea. And so I'm going for a 1-0 to win for the boys in red, Liverpool. And Nottingham Forest versus Huddersfield in the EFL Championship. Don't watch too much of the championship, but I must say... I'm going to back Forrest here just because I want to, and I I really just, I never really cared too much for Huddersfield, so I'm going for a 1-0 to win for Nottingham. All right, uh, that's going to be it for me. I'll be back for the Thursday Deep Dive episode, and now I'm going to throw it back to Jack uh, to talk about how you can vote on these polls for one last week in this season. All right, take care. This time, this week, for the last week, we promise that we will get those prediction games up on Twitter, up on polls for you all to vote on. So, you know, you can actually get involved. And so AJ and I don't have to take a massive L on the last week of the season. We're hoping you're going to be willing to participate with us on there at final third show. Check them out on there. Vote in as many of the polls as you want. Vote in all of them. Vote in one of them. Vote in at least one of them. Come on. It's fun. Why not? And with that, that ends our smaller or shorter than usual episode, only 40 minutes long. You know, if you just wanted a quick getaway from uh, all the craziness of the holidays, I hope you enjoyed this solo podcast. Might not have been as fun, but I hope you still had a good time learning about some of the news of the day and are a bit more informed. And maybe you can go uh, talk with your family about it after you come back from listening to this one. As always, you can find us on Twitter at Final Third Show. Be sure to follow us on there. Hit the notification bell if you want to know when we tweet all the time. We try and put out as much stuff as possible. Uh, it's tough to, to get stuff out all the time during the holidays, but we do really enjoy doing that when we can for you all. So make sure to follow us on there. And also give us a rating on whatever podcast platform you listen to us on, whether that's Apple Podcasts, Spreaker, Podcast Addict, Spotify now. You know, make sure to give us a rating, give us a review. We like to read out any five-star reviews we get on the podcast just to give back to our community and show how much we appreciate all the love and support you guys give us. So uh thank you for tuning into this. You know, make sure, I'm sure as AJ would want me to say, to tell your dad about this podcast. You're probably all uh you might all be home for the holidays, so why not just 
put put a put a little message uh, uh to him tell him to give it a listen and with that uh i'll see you and bye for now